Kevin Marcus Miller, Setbacks to Comebacks podcast. This episode is sponsored by allapproach.com. Welcome to Setbacks to Comebacks. You know, it's, it's interesting when you go through something like that. I remember being 60, 70 pounds overweight, choosing to either fight for my life and give up or give up and die. And I think w one of the reasons I continued pushing forward to literally fight for my life was in my mind projected into the future what my parents would go through if they lost their firstborn son. So that kept me going. Like I, I couldn't have my parents go through that much pain. When I look at myself on the mirror, sometimes I still see a 60, 70 pound overweight troll who's bald from head to toe. Because it, it's, it was such an emotional experience that tore my life apart, my family's life apart. And sometimes when I look in that mirror, I still see that little scared kid. It's difficult sometimes, but looking back at it, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. Meet Sean Swarner, a man who turned adversity into superpower. His first goal was to crawl just eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom. But Sean went on to achieve the impossible, climbing 29,035 feet to the top of Mount Everest with just one lung. From there, he conquered the highest points on all seven continents, skiing to the South and North Poles and completing the Hawaii Ironman. He's been interviewed by the biggest names in media, such as Steve Harvey, and shared his wisdom. Sean Swarner is not just a survivor, he's a pioneer, the first cancer survivor to stand on the top of the world. Diagnosed with two deadly forms of cancer at just 13 and 16, Sean defied the odds, survived, and realized that no challenge would ever be too great. Today, Sean shares his message of healing, hope, and triumph with cancer patients worldwide. He's the founder of the Cancer Climber Association, an author, and a motivational speaker inspiring audiences globally. Join us for an inspiring journey as we learn from Sean Swarner, a man who redefined the impossible. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kevin Marcus Miller. Welcome to another episode of Setbacks to Comebacks. Okay, this is a little different. I got my notes out for this one. <laughs> I got my notepad. Hold on a second. Even though Steve Harvey said, proof that miracles do exist, and he's helping others do extraordinary things. Voted one of the top eight most inspirational people of all time. Not this year, all time. Only one functioning lung prognosis of 14 days to live and being in a medically induced coma for a year. I'm so excited for this, y'all. I got my man, Sean Swarner. Let's go, <laughs> I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it. I don't know who did the voting on that inspirational thing, but... You know, cool, right? That That's really cool. That That's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, that's me. Like, wow, that's... right really cool so i appreciate it man and i i appreciate meeting steve harvey as well if he's listening you know he might be trying to yeah. get him in here and i was uh the funny real quick funny story of about course. the show when i was on there um we're doing the recording right and oh yeah i'm sitting down on the couch he's over here he's just leaning back like whoa and i look out in the audience when i'm like dude do you mind if i ask the audience a question he's like right right he, he goes go ahead man it's your show and later on, he told me that I was the first and only person to actually address the audience. Wow. And I just looked at him and I was like, it, 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 does anybody here, by a show of hands, know someone 
and touched by cancer, uh, right? Uh, uh, 98%, 99% of the arms went up. Right, right, right. And it was just like waterworks, man. And I, I had Steve in tears. I was in tears. Everybody was in tears. He's like, you can't do that to me, man. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's special, man. We actually had uh, Steve's friend, Tim Story, uh, the comeback coach on the last episode, man. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to definitely have to introduce you too because both of you are just beautiful souls, man. What I you're doing is, is a beautiful thing, and I know that it's also hard, and there's some darkness there. So I want to actually go a little bit back to some of the parts maybe we haven't seen you talk about in some interviews, maybe when you were a kid. Cause I was doing my homework and this is not a new story or journey for you. It, it, it is not, but it's a timeless journey that continues to evolve. Right. It, as, as you go through life, things change, your priorities change, your personal mm-hmm. values change. Mm-hmm. Take me back to like 15 year old Sean, what was going on at that time in your life? Well, at 15, man, I was, I was, I was a normal, mm. I guess this, as far as normal could be a normal teenager. <laughs> <laughs> right, because <laughs> I, I just got over my first cancer, and I was like, "Man, I'm, I'm free. Right. I can I can go ahead and live life." Right. I, and I wanted to get up behind me, but I was going in for a checkup for the the first cancer when they found okay. a second cancer, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Wow. It, just when I was in remission for about a year, right. I was going in, and I thought, "Hey, I'm I'm free. You know, I got, right. a, I got my whole life ahead of me." What city was this in? Never heard. Have you ever heard of Willard, Ohio? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> no, my in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, like your typical, wow. and I don't want to say typical, but right. like, what about typical Midwest? Small town boy. Small town boy. Exactly. Mm. Wow. And your parents, man, I got to ask, because you and I have been through these, these comebacks and we've had people in our corner. Who was in your corner when you were 15? Was that your parents or was there also somebody else in your life that was helping you through these these difficult times? It's very similar to you, man. My mom and my dad were there. You know, that was my safety. That was that was my support team. And I had my younger brother. He was three years younger than I am. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you go through something like that, and I'm going to toss this back to you. I remember right. being 60, 70 pounds overweight choosing to either fight for my life and give up or give up and die. And I think one of the reasons I continued pushing forward to literally fight for my life was in my mind projected into the future what my parents would go through if they lost their firstborn son. So that kept me going. Like I I couldn't have my parents go through that much pain. I think that's why I pushed forward and fought for my life. I'm thinking if that relates to my thought process, I think mine at my lowest was, I remember I was sitting there at my grandma's 90th birthday party and um, I had thought that my surgery was actually successful, just like you. We thought we got the whole thing, uh, the cardiac condition. So we thought we ablated the entire thing. So I was going to be good for the rest of my life. And I'm sitting there, got my phone like this, FaceTiming my wife. Not dead, man. I just nine cardiac arrests back to back right there on the kitchen floor. And I looked up at my mom and I was like, please forgive me if I don't make it this time. So I totally hear you. Like there's part of us that can't handle seeing our parents like that. It also was freeing just being honest with her and letting her see me like that. Cause that was the first time her actually seeing me, um, 
have a cardiac arrest in person like that. I can't imagine, man. That's got to be scary. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I was going through the, the second cancer and I literally looked, because they gave me 14 days to live, right? I was wow. writing my last rights. Wow. And I remember looking at my mom saying, you know, if if it's my time, I've lived a, I've lived a great life. You know, so basically, thank you for everything that you've given me. Wow, and it's and it's it's difficult to think about your love, your family, and your loved ones, the pain that somebody else can cause them. You know, and I've 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 always said before that that suffering is a choice, but you know, pain pain is is pain. It, it, sometimes you can't do anything about that, but suffering is a choice. And looking back at everything I've been through. I don't think I suffered much because I just, I learned to really love life. You know, like I'm guessing like you, when when you see life from like a foot and a half, two feet in the grave and you're looking back up and you're thinking it's not my time yet, you know, you want to get out there and do it, man. You want to live as much as you can. It's almost like our our fear uh, responder is different now. Oh, absolutely. And and when people are driving through traffic and they're honking their horns and flipping people off, I'm just laughing. I was like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 Uh, this is how I feel about it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, if you feel the same. You know how people say life is short? I actually disagree. I just think it's urgent to those who choose for it to be. Ooh, I like that. You know, and it, absolutely, because I, I've I've recently told my wife, I'm like, I create my own time. It, not 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 that I have like I, I I can somehow give myself 26 hours in a day, right? I create my own time based on what I value most. So, perfect example is I will I will make time for what's most important for me. Let's say you're sitting in your office, your son comes in, and he's like, "Hey, Dad, I want I want to play baseball. You know, I want I want to play catch." You're like, oh man, sorry, I, I don't have time for that. Let's say he comes in and he says, Dad, I just stepped on a rusty nail. <clears throat> and you're not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. You make time for what's important to you. You create your time. I love that. I love that. The mentality that you've had to build over these years, right? Does Sean still remember what Sean was like before all this started happening? before the cancer? Do you even remember what that feels like at this point? You know, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think I do. Because even now, you know, years and years later, when I look at myself on the mirror, sometimes I still see a 60, 70 pound overweight troll who's bald from head to toe. Because it, it's, it was such an emotional experience that tore my life apart, my family's life apart. And sometimes when I look in that mirror, I still see that little scared kid. It's difficult sometimes, but looking back at it, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. That's beautiful. Wow. Do you ever have a hard time articulating to other people the severity and the uniqueness of your comeback? For example, sometimes, you know, people with our level of stories, we have a difficult time relating with some people who may have not experienced what we have and you know we have PTSD and things like that how has that been for you so far initially it's been difficult when and like i mentioned earlier people driving through traffic flipping people off honking the horns saying get out of my way i'm late well good for you you know whatever it it used to drive me crazy that i couldn't articulate to someone else the perspective that i had and then i realized that's not my job 
You know, it's, it's not my job to 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 make somebody else see my perspective. First of all, what's you know, why is my perspective right or wrong? Maybe through a non-judgmental lens, the person who's driving through traffic, honking their horns, flipping people off, maybe they're going for an emergency. You know, maybe something's happened. You don't know. So to 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 make someone see my perspective, I mean, we don't have to make anyone see our perspective. Just respect those differences. <laughs> respect the perspective. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Okay. Yeah, that's one area I love about sharing these comeback stories is I always feel like it's almost like I get a chance to breathe and connect without putting on a filter. Because sometimes mm. when you're in the real world, you're doing keynote, you're engaging. There's like this, um, I remember you were talking about this in an interview recently you had, you said two, people will walk up to you on your keynotes and they'll have one of two responses. They're either really inspired or they're like, man, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, right? <laughs> I'm nothing, I'm a failure, right? And um, I I almost look at that and go, why does it have to be either? Yeah. Right? Well, and, and the funny thing is, as soon as they say that, they're like, you, I, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. I'm like, well, one of the things I learned at such a young age because of my parents, because of the sports that they put me in, was I never had to be the best. I had mm. to be my best, right? Yeah. So right. I was never comparing myself to someone else. You know, just compare yourself to who you are yesterday or who we, you were yesterday. And tomorrow, compare yourself to who you were today. So when somebody says, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. Well, set your own standards, set your own bar and start jumping over it. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. And for you, that's kind of in line with your concept of helping people climb their own Everest, right? Instead of Mount Everest, literally, like you did. Why was it important for you to actually climb Everest in particular? Was that something in your own wheelhouse that you felt like, oh, that's my capability? Or was it just something grandiose? Why that in particular? I'm curious. You know, I, I wanted to climb Everest because I wanted to use literally the highest platform on earth to scream hope, to give back to the cancer community, to let them know. Because a lot of people need to see something before they believe it's possible. Whereas a lot of others, like yourself and myself, we need to believe it's possible, then go do it. So I just wanted to be a beacon of hope and so much darkness. And I wanted to give people a perspective of what's possible when you really put your mind to something and have a deeper purpose behind it. And who was the person that said, this in particular is going to be the way we do it? Because it could have been so many different things. And you're a talented guy. You're you're an athlete. It could have been so many things. We had Jeff Griffin on the show the other day. His was uh, winning uh, at Athens. He won the paraplegic Olympics. So I asked him, what was the reason why that? Why that in particular? Do you know deep down why it was Everest exactly? Well, I was, I was going to ask you what was his answer. <laughs> <laughs> his, answer his answer was his dream was being an NBA player. And so that was the next best thing for him. Well, I can't steal that one. <laughs> Were you a runner before this? Before all this? I, I was. I was a okay. runner. That makes sense now. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, long story short, I was I was actually in a program to get my master's and my doctorate in counseling psychology. Beautiful. But I was going to be a psycho-oncologist, like a, a psychologist yeah. cancer patients. And at the time when I was studying, I never took time out of not my day, not my, my life to look in the mirror and look back and see who I was and how cancer affected me. 
I see. When you, when you go through anything traumatic, what you went through, car accident, cancer, divorce, it doesn't matter. You know, it changes who you are, but you can choose how you want it to change you, right? So you can you can use it as a strength or a weakness. And it was at that time when I was studying for my, my, my doctorate when I realized I didn't take time out psychologically to take care of me. I, in my mind, I was still broken. So how can I help someone else if I need help myself? So I just kept thinking, okay, well, maybe I can help more people. Maybe I can help more. Maybe I can do more. Maybe I can think bigger and bigger and bigger. And then literally just kept going higher and higher and higher, bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, well, what about Everest? And then literally I moved from Jacksonville, Florida to Estes Park, Colorado, lived in the back of my Honda Civic, Canto. I was homeless for two months. Wow. In my my office when I was calling when I was calling um, companies to get sponsorship uh-huh. was a payphone bank at the campsite in the town in the town library. Right? Oh my goodness, <laughs> you were serious! Oh, I was I was a that was a dirt ball for a while. I was, like, I was living off the dirt. <laughs> that's crazy, man! Wow, see that's what I want to know. It's like, see, yeah, that I I couldn't. There's no way I could have googled that. That's insane, Sean, Sean. You know that's insane. <laughs> looking, looking back at it, absolutely. But it's it's like you don't know what you're capable of until you're in that situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when you have no choice. Mm. And like I want to do it. So I was calling these companies like, uh, you know, North Face, uh, Cabela's, uh, Marmot, Gore-Tex. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, what, what do you need? It's like, well, I'm a two-time cancer-surviving lunatic with one lung who wants to climb Everest in nine months. And they're, they're like, excuse me? So, so they're like, well, all right, well, can we get can we get a number to call you back? I was like, no. No. <laughs> no. Where are they gonna call oh, me back? The payphone bank? That is so funny. <laughs> you just have them email you back? Yeah. I was like, hey, send me, you know, shoot me an email and I'll we'll set up a time. i I can call you oh. using my in my AT&T calling card. <laughs> Remember what? Oh, call collect. <laughs> oh, I can imagine that's that. funny oh man that's beautiful and so you ended up getting a few sponsors i assume yeah yeah we we got it and and it was taken wow. care of, but i also <laughs> sold everything i owned to follow a dream and, and make it happen when i have a cardiac arrest i almost have this sensation where i feel like i need to take on a new identity or climb a new everest so it needs to be intense it needs to be big it needs to be is that what i'm sensing here where when you're having these setbacks, you feel like, oh, I need this comeback. And it it helps fuel you to continue to give to others. You know, I, I, I think so. So going back to the question of why, yes, yes for others. That's the deeper purpose. Yeah. But also, also maybe to prove to myself that I'm still alive. Love that. You know, to, to constantly push push the envelope. And, and you know, not that I'm an adrenaline junkie. Uh, you know, uh. I'm not jumping out of airplanes and bungee jumping and, you know, because there's nothing, there's nothing romantic or exciting about spending a month and a half on the side of a giant <laughs> mountain, not showering for like four weeks. You know, there's nothing exciting or about that at all. Right. But I think there, there is definitely something deeper, and it's finding a, a, a more of a purpose for what we're doing. You know, those those philosophical questions of why are we here? I don't know. You know, I, I think it's to live, love, laugh, learn, and lead by example and, and help other people out. Talk to me about this next chapter. So you're in your 40s. <laughs> you, you got so much ahead of you. You've already accomplished, according to, you know, others when they walk up to you and everything. You <laughs> you look at them and go, well, you probably had your own Everest, buddy. So, 
So when you think about what the next Everest in your life is, there's something that you are striving for in your 50s, your 60s that you want to do? Yes. And no. Yes. I, I would love a Hollywood feature film just to share the movie out there, just to share the story, you know, and, and have it include other people's stories, you know, just be a vehicle. Love it. Be a voice. Um, recently got married, you know, you're talking about your wife. I recently mm-hmm. got married four years, four years ago. Nice. Congrats, buddy. Thank you very much. Nice. And I'm, I'm in the position now where it's not just me anymore. So right. Right. I, I want to make enough money to give her the life that I, I know she deserves. You know, it's like our hazard pay, right? It's right. We, my wife, and I always joke about that. It's like, man, we, 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 we deserve a million dollars in hazard pay. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, we're, I love that. We'll, we'll be able to talk about that because I got some ideas for you on the, on the movie front and some people to connect you with. So that's good. That's good. We have that same goal. Well, and and then utilizing again what I've learned, and I've I've recently you know wrote two books. I have two more on the, in the pipeline. I have a a three-week mental wellness challenge that I just put together where it helps people utilize their personal core values to make mindful decisions. So do do what's best for you. Don't do what somebody else wants you to do, you know, and make decisions based on what you value most, not what somebody tells you to do. You know, figure, figure it out on your own. You're, there's more ownership that way. Mm, extreme ownership. Yep. Yeah. So I want to get that into corporations and I want to, I just want to continue helping people. I want to do well by doing good. <clears throat> Love that. Love that. So I never, as we wrap, I never let my guests do self-promotion because it's my job to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you guys to listen for a second. I think <clears throat> two of the things that really stood out to me when I was doing my homework, first of all, his mission is absolutely clear. No confusion. There's no guru. It's just, this is how I can help you. This is my story. Connect with me if you like. So all you got to do is this thing called Google. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sean Swarner and all his sites will pop up, personal website. He's got coaching. He's got books. He's got everything, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. We're also going to put Sean's uh, links here in the show notes as well. But I have a feeling you guys will be seeing us again too. So we're going to go have some mastermind talk. (laughs) Absolutely, man. That'd be great. Absolutely. Sean, thanks for being on the show. Take care, man. You too, buddy.